All right, so let me just say this. So this morning we are going to begin a brand new series entitled Three Expressions. And every year around February, uh, we kind of typically try to focus in on relationships. How many know this Wednesday is Valentine's Day? So for all you guys, you're welcome. Because you hadn't even thought about it, right? So let me give some pastoral advice for all my men out there. How many married men in the house today? All right, so let, let me give you, let me help you out today. So when you asked your wife, honey, what do you want for Valentine's? And she says nothing. She is lying. Right through her teeth. She is lying to you. So let me help you out. Don't listen to her. Buy her a car, buy her some candy, buy her some flowers, take her out to dinner, do something special. Because when she says, what do you, when you say, what do you want for Valentine's Day? And she says nothing, what she really means is I want you to know my heart and read my mind and get me that special gift for Valentine's. So, ladies, let me help you out. We can't read your mind and we are clueless. Okay? So help. But guys, I'm going to help you. Buy something. If she says nothing, buy something. And uh, you can thank me next Sunday. Amen? All right. So every year around Valentine's Day, we always think about relationships. We love to dial in. When, when our world, our culture, and our community is thinking about something, we like to speak God's Word into that culture. How many you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what season of life you're in, there is a Word from God for your life for that season? And so in this kind of season, as our little culture is thinking about love and romance and friendships, we wanted to drill down into what we're calling three expressions. Three expressions of love that are defined in the Scriptures. And as you think about talking about those three expressions of love, there's no better place to start. As a matter of fact, I can't think of any better place to start when you talk about love than let's talk today about the source of love. The source of love. And today we're going to understand that the source of love is the key to every other expression of love that we're going to experience in our lives. So I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're watching on the screen, follow on the screen, you can do that. If you've got your Liberty Church app, you can follow along there also. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. The Apostle John says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another... For love comes from God. I want you all to repeat that last part with me. For love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Let's say that last part together. For God is love. Verse 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. Let's say it together. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Look at verse 11. So, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Amen? Look at that first point. So, according to the Word of God, love comes from God because God is love. Love is not what God does. It is who He is. And this is significant that you understand this. 
If you don't understand that love comes from God because God is love, then you're going to spend your life like the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? If you don't understand that the source of love is God, that God is love, and that all love, real love, we're going to see the God kind of love that we're really all looking for comes from God. And if you don't understand that, you're going to spend your life chasing things, pursuing things, running after things that will never satisfy the void of your heart, that will never satisfy your soul. I want you to hear me today. You were created by God and you were created for God. Therefore, if God is love, you were made by love, you were created for love, and you'll never be satisfied until you know the love of God. And if we don't grab that truth, that one foundational truth that God is the source of love, that love comes from God because God is love. It's not what He does, it's who He is. And what we're going to see today, which is exciting, we're going to recognize that the God of love who loved us enough to send His Son, right? God demonstrated His love. How many know love is not just a feeling? There there are feelings of love, but love is way more than a feeling. Love is an action, and according to the example of God, love is actually a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that we make for other people because that's what God did for us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God demonstrated His love to us by offering His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And God is love. And God doesn't do love. God is love. And God operates out of His identity. And here's what we're going to see today. When we accept the love of God and we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we have access to that amazing love. And we're going to see today how that God's love really does empower us to express love in every form and in every Fashion. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the Eros love or the erotic love or the romantic love. I mean, it's going to be fun in here next week, all right? Go ahead and reserve your seat. You don't want to miss it. Let me go ahead and just tell you, just, let me just give you a thought. Let me just give you a preempt for next Sunday. If you don't understand that the source of all love is God, then you'll never understand why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. See, if you're a Christian and you marry a non-Christian, if you're a Christian and you date a non-Christian, if you're a Christian and you pursue an intimate relationship, a non-Christian, that non-Christian is incapable of loving you with the love of God. Because if all love comes from God, the real love, the kind of love that changes people's lives, then without the love of God in your heart, you're left with an earthly love. You're left with a temporal love. You're left with what we're going to call a conditional love that really never has the capacity to satisfy the heart of another person. And so next Sunday, we're going to talk about the power of that romantic love and how God wants us in the right context of relationship to experience that that romantic love. And then last Sunday, we're going to talk a couple weeks about what it means to have a friendship love. How many know we need friends? Come on, somebody. John Maxwell, one of my favorite speakers and communicators, he starts out most of his messages by simply saying this, Hello, my name is John, and I'm your friend. (laughs) How many know we all need some friends? And we're going to learn about that. But before we can learn about the romantic love, before we can even cultivate really friendship love, we got to recognize that the source of all love comes from God. So, Matthew 22. 
The Bible says, and one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him. The him there is Jesus. They tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Look at that next point. So Jesus said the greatest commandment in the Bible is love, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus makes this really bold statement. He says, and upon this hang all the law and the prophets. So basically what Jesus said, he said everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled in love. That when you learn how to love God and you learn how to love people as yourself, he said all the law and all the prophets are fulfilled in that one word. Think about just the Ten Commandments. Think about the fact that if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we won't steal, we won't kill, we won't commit adultery, we won't covet. We won't do any of those things that harm other people. Why? Because if I love my neighbor as myself, then I'm going to treat you really, really good. Come on, somebody. Someone said years ago, and I don't remember who said it, but I love the quote. They said, if, if love is the greatest commandment, then being unloving is the greatest sin. If love is the greatest commandment, then being unloving is the greatest sin. It's not an unforgivable sin. Jesus told us blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. But if you think about the greatest commandment, then the greatest sin must be breaking the greatest commandment. And so all of a sudden we recognize something. We recognize that not only is God love, but God has, has, has established a standard that allows us to live our lives to the fullest level. The greatest version of your life is lived out of a place of love. The love of God first abounding and settling and living in you and then flowing out of you to other people. Let me just challenge you for just a second. If you think about the most miserable person you know, and don't look at your neighbor. (laughs) And then you think about The most joyful person you know, and you could look at your neighbor right now, even if it's not true, and just make them feel good. (laughs) The most joyful person you know lives in love. They love God, and they love people. When you find a miserable person, I can tell you hands down, without a shadow of doubt, miserable people typically don't love God, and they... Surely don't love people. (laughs) Because they're miserable because everybody frustrates them. And everybody discourages them. And everybody overwhelms them. The realization is God in his wisdom put all the cookies on one shelf. And he said, here it is, love. If you want to live the life I've called you to live, then love God and love people. If you want to live the life that I've called you to live, then learn how to love God and love people because it is the key. It is, it is the pathway to the best life you can ever live. And let me just tell you something. It's a whole lot of fun when you learn how to love people the way God loves people. I mean, it really is a blast. 
So let's look at our next scripture, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 says this, For you were called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, Paul again is echoing what Jesus said, for the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Look at that next point. So we have been set free, the Bible says, from the law of sin and death so we can serve one another in love. Our freedom in Christ, listen to this, is not a license to sin. Our freedom in Christ is not a license to sin. Jesus did not set us free from sin and death so we could continue to live in sin and immorality. Jesus did not set us free from the bondage and the power of the enemy so we could continue to walk in darkness. Paul says don't use your freedom that you have in Christ to feed your sin nature. Why? Because the freedom we have in Christ is not a license to sin. Every every now and then, it's rare, but every now and then I'll hear somebody say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter what I do because I'm living under grace. And every time I hear that, I understand that person does not have a clue what the grace of God is all about. Grace is not an excuse to sin. It is the empowerment to live in victory over sin. And walk out the life that God has called you to live. And so Paul encourages us, don't use your freedom that you have in Christ to continue to live in sin. It's not a license to sin. As a matter of fact, your freedom in Christ is a calling to love. Use your freedom and serve, look what he says, serve one another in love. I love I love leadership stuff. I, I love reading leadership books. And Kelly loves all the books that I read, don't you, baby? I love leadership books. And I love leadership podcasts. And I love all that leadership stuff. And, and, and I really enjoy listening to it. But, but it, it, let, me, let me just tell you, here, here's the secret to influence. Because leadership is influence. If you want to have influence in people's lives, serve one another with love. There it is. The greatest leadership secret on the planet. Jesus taught us the greatest would be the servant. And Paul elaborates on that by the Holy Spirit. He says, but it's not enough just to serve because you got to serve with love. How many know your heart matters? Come on, somebody. How many know the, the motive of your heart really does matter? It's not enough just to do the right thing. we got to do the right thing with the right heart. A heart of love that says, hey, I want to serve people out of love. And, and let me just say this to you. When you think about the most influential people in your life, the most influential people in your life are the people that have served you out of a heart of love. They ministered to you. They prayed for you. They encouraged you. They came alongside you. They picked you up when you had fallen down. They wiped tears from your eyes. They wept when you wept. They rejoiced when you rejoiced. They stood in the gap when you couldn't even stand for yourself. The most influential people in your life are the people that have served you out of a heart of love. And that's good news. That's good news because what that tells me is I don't need a position or a title in order to be great in the kingdom of God. Greatness in the kingdom of God, the ability to influence others for good and for the glory of God is really rooted in one thing. Am I willing to serve others out of a heart of love? Let me just tell you something. Serving out of a heart of love will transform any and every relationship you're in. Let me help us out here. It's Valentine's Week. Men, if you, if you want to strengthen and transform your marriage relationship, serve your wife out of a heart of love. Amen. Ladies, you want to transform your marriage, serve your husband out of a heart of love. Parents, you want to transform your family, serve your children out of a heart of love. 
Children, you want to transform your family? Serve your parents out of a heart of love. Employees, you want to, employers, you want to transform your company? Serve your employees out of a heart of love. Employees, you want to change your company? Serve your employer out of a heart of love. It's the key, I'm just telling you. If you want influence, if you want to change the world, if you want to make a difference, it really is as simple and as powerful as serving others out of a heart of love. It says, I love people because God loved me. I love him first, right? This is true love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to redeem us and save us and rescue us and fill us, as we're going to see in just a moment, with that amazing love. You don't need a title. You don't need a position. You don't need anybody to do anything special for you or on your behalf for you to have great influence and be great in the kingdom of God. All you have to do is be willing to serve others with love. It's the key that releases great power. Look at John 15. John chapter 15, Jesus speaks again. He says, and this is my commandment, that you would love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, Jesus just, just did something. He just raised the bar. <laughs> so prior, prior to this, Jesus said, the law said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But now Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Let's just raise the bar just a little bit. I don't want you just to love your neighbor as yourself because some of you don't love yourself. How many of you know it's really hard to love people if you don't like you? If I don't like me, I'm going to have a difficult time loving you. If I don't love me, I'm going to have a difficult time loving you. If I look in the mirror and don't like what I see, I'm not talking about my physical appearance. I've got to clean it up a little bit more. But I'm talking about the person that I am. If I look in the mirror and don't love who I am in that mirror, then I'm going to struggle loving the people that are in my life because we have a natural tendency to project our own self-loathing on other people. When you find somebody that is constantly critical of everybody else in their life, this is what I can tell you about that person. They are most critical of themselves, even though they would never say it. When I have to make you miserable by pointing out every fault and every failure you have, that just means I'm miserable <laughs> with the faults and failures that I have, even though I would not ever tell anyone that truth. So Jesus raises the bar. He says it's not enough for us just to love one another the way we love ourselves because sometimes we're messed up and we don't do that. He says, so this is what I want you to do. I want to remove you from the equation. How good is God? Aren't you glad that our salvation is not wrapped up in us? It's all wrapped up in Him. Amen. And the transformation of our life is also wrapped up in Him. It's that identity that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he says, let me remove you from the equation. I don't want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself because that might be messed up. But I do want you to love your neighbor like I loved you. And then the very next verse, he kind of describes his kind of love. Look what he says. Verse 13. For there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Look at that next point. God's love. It's agape in the Greek. 
is a sacrificial love. It's a kind of love that lays down its life and suffers loss so that others might gain. Think about that. God's love is a sacrificial love. It's, it's the kind of love that lays down its life so that it suffers loss so that others might gain. Think, think again about that most influential person in your life. And what you'll recognize is the most influential person in your life has made sacrifices for you. They made sacrifices for you. They paid the price. They went the extra mile. And it didn't benefit them. It benefited you. <laughs> and you know what? I, I look at my life and I'm so thankful for those people. I have, I have a little picture in my office. Uh, Kelly got it for me a couple years ago. I heard this quote years ago. and Now I've got a picture in my office. It's a, it's a picture of a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. <laughs> and it says anytime you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, you know that someone else helped him. And I look at my life and I realize I am where I am because there were a lot of people that sacrificed for me to be here. My dad's on the front row. I think about growing up in my home, my mom and my dad, the sacrifices they made as I was growing up. I look at my amazing wife over here and the sacrifices she's made in our marriage and our relationship to be married to somebody like me. I look at elders and leaders in our church who have paid the price along the way to help me get where I am. And, and what's exciting about that revelation is all of a sudden you begin to realize, you, you begin to recognize that the most influential people in my life are people that made sacrifices to help me get where I'm at. And if I want to be that person in somebody else's life, that's what real love is. Isn't that what parents do, right? A baby comes out of the womb and all they can do is cry. And eat and poop. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and mom and dad have to do everything 24-7, 365 days a year until that baby gets big enough to somehow begin to care for itself. And most moms and most dads usually, at least most of the time when they have a little sleep, do it with joy. You know why? Because they love that baby. What we see expressed in parents to children is the kind of love that God expresses to us every single day. And it's the kind of love that God has put in us by the Holy Spirit, as we're about to read in just a minute, that enables us to love other people the same way that Jesus loved us. Because that's what he just said. He just said, it's great that you love your neighbors yourself, but why don't you start loving people the way I loved you? <laughs> because that's real love. The last part of that statement, look what it says. Agape love is an unconditional love birthed out of God's heart, not man's response. This is huge. It's unconditional love that is birthed out of God's heart, not man's response. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his love toward a world that he knew would reject him. Right? We all know not everybody accepts Jesus. Not everybody comes to Christ. Not everybody reciprocates His love. Not everybody comes to the Lord. As a matter of fact, many people actually reject Him, deny Him, and some even curse Him. 
But God demonstrated his love toward us so that whosoever will, that was every man, every woman, every boy, every person ever born on planet earth, that God demonstrated his love toward us while we were still sinners. Why? Because God's love is unconditional. It is not based on man's response. It is birthed out of God's heart. It's who he is. And when we begin to learn how to love people, With that love, it changes things. It changes cultures and communities and families and relationships because the unconditional love of God is a love that is not determined by the response of people. Unfortunately, in our world, most of us have spent our lives surrounded by conditional love. Kelly and I are are grieved by how many adults that we counsel who grew up in homes and their parental love was very conditional. I love you if you do this. and I'm just going to be really clear. I don't love you when you do that. And when you live under a conditional love mentality, you're constantly in this performance mode. So there's really two extremes. Either I, I try to live my life to perform and please everybody so I can get their love. Or you flip the coin and I just kind of say to heck with everybody. And I don't care about you or anybody else. I'm just going to rub it in your face all my life. And we've seen extremes, right? We've seen those people pleasers that live their life just to please everybody because they're trying to earn love. And we've seen those other people, I mean, they just kind of live with a middle finger out. (laughs) To heck with you. I heard a guy say the other day, he said, said, when you meet somebody that's kind, he said they wave to you with all their fingers. (laughs) Not everybody waves that way. And here, here's the realization. When, when you live in either of those extremes, if you're, if you're living to earn the love of people or you're, or you're just fed up and you just say to heck with all the people, man, you, you're, you're really being manipulated and controlled by the responses of man. When God intended you, created you, formed you, fashioned you, and sent his son so you could live out of the identity of Christ knowing that you are loved. And that the God of love has redeemed you and rescued you and put his spirit on the inside of you so you can be free from the applause of men and live for the glory of God. And it enables you, it enables you to love people regardless of their response to you. Now we're going we're to dive a little bit deeper to that in just a minute, but But the transformational power of God's love is so amazing. It is so liberating. So liberating. And again, I'm going to just say it again. It's so much fun when you learn how to love people with the love of God. So let's look at our next scripture, Romans 5. Paul says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this hope... Speaking of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. King James says that God has poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit the love of God. So Paul says if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has filled your heart with God's agape, unconditional, sacrificial, amazing 
love. Verse 6, he says, Because when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Let's look at that next point. So we love others because God loves us. And I want you to see this next little statement because we're going to drill down into this. It is easy to love others with the love of God. Now, when I say that, immediately many people think, you don't know the people I know, Pastor Keith. (laughs) Two weeks ago, we talked about one of the lies that we have believed in the local church. And here's the lie that the enemy uses against us. Many Christians have believed the lie that it's hard to follow Jesus and it's easy just to live in sin. It's easy to do what I used to do. It's easy to come show the glory. It's just so easy to, you know, to fall back into those old patterns. And it's just so hard. It's just so hard to follow Jesus. It's so hard to do the right thing. It's so hard to live the life God's called me to live. But we saw that that thought is a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest for your soul. Man, that's good news. So let's drill down for just a second. So Jesus said, following me, living for me, doing the things I've called you to do is not hard, it's easy. So let me give you a, a revelation today. Let me give you a paradigm shift again, right? we got to repent. We have to change the way we think. It's easy to love people with the love of God. It's easy to love people. With the love of God. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I have a new identity in Christ. The God of love, who is love, lives in me. And his love has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me, just, let me make a statement. We're going to finish this point in just a minute. It is easy to love people with the love of God. It is hard to watch people reject God's love. And it is hard and difficult to be in relationship with people who reject God's love. But it's not hard to love people. God's love has filled our hearts. And here's what we recognize. We recognize that when I follow the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit, love is my first response. Isn't it interesting that the fruit of the Spirit, Pastor Nick or Nick talked about it last Sunday, that the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. Right? Love, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because the fruit of God in my life is love. I have a new nature that is bent toward love. I have a new identity that leans toward love. And it's not hard to love people. But it is hard. It is hard to be in relationship with people that reject the love of God. And it's hard to watch people reject God's love. I want you to look with me. Matthew 23. Jesus is speaking. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 
the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as her hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Now, let me tell you something. This is significant for our lives today. It's easy to love people, but it's hard to be in relationship with people that reject God's love. Jesus looked at Jerusalem. And he wept over the city. He grieved over the city. How many know he wasn't grieving over the city? He was grieving over the people in the city. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you together. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to be in relationship with you. But you would not let me. You need to understand that loving people is easy and God's love is unconditional. But just because we love somebody doesn't necessarily mean we need to be in relationship with somebody. Because if I am in a relationship with somebody that rejects the love of God, then how many know that relationship is going to be difficult? Now, that doesn't mean I don't have a relationship with them. Because the only way people that don't know God experience the love of God is that people that know God are willing to love them. But here's what you and I have to recognize. We have to recognize that I have to, I love people unconditionally. But I have to set boundaries in order to have healthy relationships. Because if you don't set boundaries to have healthy relationships, you're going to constantly be an emotional wreck. And if you're an emotional wreck, guess what? You're probably not at your best to represent Christ in that relationship. I can't think, as honest as I can be, I can't think of anybody that I don't love. But I can think of a lot of people that I can't be in relationship with. At least not to the degree that I want to be in relationship with them. I understand what Jesus said. How often I wanted to draw you in. How I want to get closer and closer and closer to people. But there are some people that because they are rejecting the love of God, my relationship for them is limited, but my love is unlimited. And if you don't learn that, then what will happen is you will constantly live in a place of emotional turmoil You'll be tore up all the time. And when you're in that state of emotional turmoil, it is difficult for you and I to truly represent Christ in the context of that relationship. So I have to love people, which is easy. And then I have to be discerning enough to recognize the depth of that relationship. Always pursuing more. Always desiring to go deeper in friendship and relationship, but recognizing there are limits that have to be placed. And here, think about this. God loves everybody, but he's not in relationship with everybody. Only those who receive God's love enter into relationship with him. Now, if that's God's standard for his relationships, 
Should we not take a cue from heaven? Should we not recognize that there are some parameters? Again, God loves everybody. God extends relationship to everybody. God desires salvation for everybody. But he also recognizes for us to be in relationship together. Man, we got to cross some bridges. we got to receive the love. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing because, number one, it's easy to love people. And I'm going to say it for maybe the third time, and it's so much fun. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I love my life. I love loving people. My greatest joy on Sunday morning is hugging every neck that walks through that door. When I don't get to hug your neck, it grieves my heart because I love you. And I realize, hey, when I come to church on Sunday morning, this is my one time during the week I get a chance to see every person at least it's going to walk through the doors of the church today. And this is my one chance to hug your neck and say, Hey, good morning. I love you. How are you doing? It's easy to love people. Relationships, not so easy. But loving, so much fun. And what's amazing about the love of God is it is the love of God that builds the bridge for relationships to happen. Without the love of God, there is no future for that relationship. But through the love of God, even toxic relationships can become healthy and godly and vibrant. I mean, that's what happens when marriages get restored. That's what happens when God puts families back together. That's what happens when we see communities come to life because somebody decided to love somebody and keep that relational bridge open and pursue the Lord and share that love. I want to close telling you a story because I believe our greatest weapon as Christians is the love of God. Our greatest weapon is God's love. I've shared this story before. I love it. My, my first memory of my first pastor was a guy named Brother Leroy. I don't remember if he was my first pastor, but he's the first one I remember. Corey Garter, Papa said, was my first pastor. But Brother Leroy, I remember this story. He was a big guy, about 6'3", 275 pounds. He was a monster of a man. And he went to the Baptist Seminary in New Orleans. He tells the story that on Friday and Saturday night, they'd send the seminary students out on Bourbon Street to witness to all the people on Bourbon Street. He said it wasn't unusual. He said they'd throw beer bottles at us. They'd chase us off. They'd do all kinds of crazy things to us. He said, and every now and then, he said there were some gangs on the streets. He said they would come after us and literally try to hurt us. He said, so one night we were out there witnessing and just sharing the gospel and praying with people. And he said, one of those gangs saw us and they came after us. He said, me and my buddies, we split up to try to get away from them. He said, I'm running down the street and I, I, I turned to duck into this aisle, this alley. He said, when I turned to duck into the alley, he said, I literally run into the chest of the biggest man he said I've ever seen in my life. He said, I bounce off this guy's chest and I look up to see this monster of a man. And he said, the only thing I could think of is I said, Jesus loves you. He said, about that time, that gang came around the corner. And he said, that big old monster of a man, he said, he just took his arm and swept me behind him. He said, he pointed his big old finger at those guys and said, leave him alone. He said, they scattered like flies. He said, that big old monster of a man turned around. He said, when he turned around and looked down at me, he had tears running down his face. 
And he said, nobody has ever told me they love me. Brother Leroy got to lead that big old man in the back alley of Louisiana into the love of Jesus Christ. Our greatest weapon. Our greatest weapon, guys, is the love of God. So I want us to do this. Let's stand to our feet today. I want to ask our prayer teams that they would just to come. We're going to open the altar. We're going to go into our final song of worship this morning. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I just want to tell you something. God sees, God hears, God knows, and God loves. He loves you. And He cares about what's happening in your life. And we care about what's going on in your life. The reason we have prayer teams and we put people in the altar every Sunday is because people need people. Sometimes you need God with a little skin on Him. And these people are God with skin on Him. These people are the heart of God, the love of God, the the very passion of God for your life and for my life. And so they come up here every Sunday because they care and we love you guys and as we go into this last song I want to open the altar maybe you're going through a difficult time Jennifer talked about that fire being heated up seven times maybe you're in the furnace right now maybe you feel all alone God says you're not alone today he's with you maybe you're in the middle of marital distress and maybe your family's falling apart maybe there's a key relationship right now that you know is man that thing's crumbling before your eyes and You just need God to be God. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to just stand in faith with you today and just let the Lord minister to you. So right now the altar is open. If you need prayer for any reason, you come. We would love to pray with you this morning as we worship you. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one we could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. 
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe to live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. Thank you, Jesus. As these continue to pray and the altars open, let's just bow our heads together today. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith? I've never experienced that love of God. I've never experienced the kind of love that fills the void and changes everything. The Bible says that God demonstrated that love for us while we were still sinners. That right where we are, right where we're at, in our mess, in our junk, in our struggle, God sent His Son for me and you. And here's the good news of the gospel. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you receive that love. Jesus is the demonstration of God's love to all mankind. And whoever accepts Him accepts God's love. The kind of love that changes us, the kind of love that transforms us. The kind of love that satisfies our soul. So if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to experience that love. I want to accept Jesus Christ. I'm willing to acknowledge today that I am a sinner. But I also believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again on the third day. And I want to accept the gift of eternal life and the gift of Christ and God's love. I want to know Him this morning. If that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. Pastor Keith, I want to accept that love today. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Just a simple act of faith. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hold it up high if you don't care this morning. Our ushers, they're going to come. And they're going to just slip a little packet in your hand today. And we're going to we're going to follow up with you and we're going to help you. But we're about to pray a prayer today. We're about to pray a prayer today. And we're going to just lead you in a very simple prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. So if you've raised your hand this morning, I'm going to ask everybody in the room, let's just say this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe He rose again on the third day. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And fill me with your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to say congratulations and welcome to the family. We love you, and we're so thankful that you're here. Let me just remind you, make sure to make a pit stop in the cafe today. We got our small group. Stop by, get connected to a small group, meet some people, find a place that works for you and your family, grab you an ice cream, and you are dismissed. We love you guys.